Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it is All Hallows' Eve, a Tuesday, October 31st. Hope your Tuesday is going well for you so far. Thanks for tuning in to EW10. And Catholic Connection, a co-production of this network, of course, and Ave Maria Radio. Good to be with you. And just to let you know ahead of time, we have tomorrow off for the Holy Day of Obligation. And so we'll have what we call a best of in the biz. But wishing you a very peaceful and beautiful Holy Day. It is a Holy Day of Obligation for All Saints Day. So just keep that in mind. Just a little reminder. I know it can get uh, confusing sometimes. I have to <laughs> write things down too. But thank God in many ways for the internet because it does remind you when you check in on your various Catholic apps of what the days are in the church. So again, at tomorrow, a holy day of obligation. Coming up, speaking of the saints, and I love the fact that my producer Andrew uh, grabbed this interview for us because it ties directly in with what we're marking this week on the calendar in the Catholic Church. We're going to be speaking with Alec Torres, who co-authored a beautiful book, Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crises in the Church. And I think this is super important in terms of, yes, giving us this in a book, but also just discussing this in general, because so many times there is so much fear and so much concern out of love for the church, and especially after the synod, and people, you know, scratching their heads and saying, what's going on? What happened? What do we know? What, do, you know, what is going to be occurring? Uh, should we be concerned? And, and there's a lot of, you know, because we love the church so much, we, we are worried about some of the things we hear and see. So how did the saints deal with it? Because when you look back at the lives, for example, of saints like St. Saint Catherine of Siena or St. John Vianney, or even more recently, right, Padre Pio, in the mid-20th century, what he dealt with in the persecution he endured because of corruption within the church. What did they do? How did they make a difference? Well, we're going to talk with Alec about that, and I think you will enjoy the conversation. I know I'm looking forward to it. And then we'll wrap up on a Tuesday morning with our friend Lewis Brown, who is the Vice President of Public Policy for the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance and Director of the newly formed Public Policy and Advocacy Institute. He's also the Executive Director of the Medicus Foundation. And, and he's also an attorney. I know Lewis. He's a wonderful brother in the Lord and does so much good. And he has so many, so many different titles and does so much great work in the pro-life movement, especially. So he's joining us with an update on what's happening with some health care issues and some other pro-life news uh, on which he's working. So it should be a, a good hour with lots of, I hope for you, helpful information to inspire you and uplift you and to be not afraid, right? Because we heard that this week in the first reading yesterday, that God did not give us a spirit of fear. We're not too happy, though, about the weather in parts of the country. In southeastern Michigan, it's going to be super cold for the kiddies if they go out to trick-or-treat. We're only getting a high today in southeastern Michigan of 43 and overnight lows in the 30s. So if the kids do go out, they have to dress very, very warmly. For the rest of us across the country, as colder air slides east and south, frost and freeze conditions with new record low temperatures are expected through the middle of the week. In addition, lake effect snow in the vicinity of the Great Lakes will make for hazardous traveling conditions where several inches of snow are expected. Dry and breezy conditions will raise fire weather concerns, meanwhile, for Southern California and Gulf Coast areas. So that's what it looks like for the weather. 
We have lake effect activity near the Great Lakes and colder temps spreading across the country, spreading eastward. So that's what the weather looks like on a Tuesday morning again. You are listening to Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Our guest today, Alec Torres, co-authoring a beautiful book, Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crises in the Church, and Lewis Brown from a number of different pro-life organizations, including Christ Medicus Foundation. All of this on a Tuesday, plus the news, which we'll get to right now at almost five minutes past the hour. Let's take a look at the news on a Tuesday morning, October 31st, 2023. The Israeli Prime Minister says a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for Israel. Mark Mayfield has that story. Speaking to his nation on Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu added he's committed to bringing the hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties, while Hamas purposely puts civilians in harm's way. His speech came as Israeli forces expand air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. And the U.S. says it does not support a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, at least not at this time. We believe that a ceasefire right now benefits Hamas. Uh, and Hamas is the only one that would gain. That's National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby speaking with reporters yesterday. Officials are working, he says, with Israeli counterparts to minimize civilian casualties in Gaza. The UN General Assembly last week approving a resolution calling for humanitarian aid truce in Gaza. The U.S. and just 13 other countries voting against a truce, while 120 countries did vote in favor of it. And for the first time since the outbreak of the war between Israel and Hamas on October 7th, the Catholic Church of the Holy Land, gathering around its patriarch on the feast day of Our Lady Queen of Palestine and the Holy Land, and re-consecrating the local church there and the entire land to Our Lady. As Catholic News Agency reports, on Sunday, October 29th, Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzabella, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, presiding over a Mass at the shrine dedicated to the Blessed Mother in the presence of a few hundred faithful. The attendee was the attendance was relatively small compared with the thousands of faithful who usually join the celebration from all the communities scattered throughout Israel and the Palestine areas. However, as CNA explains, the circumstances right now prevented a larger gathering, the Mass also taking place inside the church instead of the courtyard where large crowds usually gather. At the end of the Mass, an act of concentration of consecration of the Holy Land to the Immaculate Heart of Mary was read. And students at Columbia University in New York City are calling for more action against anti-Semitism. Jesse Brenner is a Jewish student at the school and wants more to be done so she can feel safe. How much clearer do we need to be? We do not feel safe here. A group gathering outside campus earlier this week to demand more from the administration. Other Jewish students say recent acts of anti-Semitism include an Israeli student attacked on campus and an anti-Jewish slur directed at a law student inside a campus building. It is the latest in a series of incidents on college campuses around the U.S. since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. And Pope Francis yesterday welcoming to the Vatican a group of Italian women who have decided to move away from their families involved in organized crime and to join a network working against the mafia. As Lisa Sangrini at the Vatican tells us, they were accompanied by Father Luigi Ciotti, an Italian priest who founded an association to help the women in 1995. Addressing the group of 50 women accompanied by Don Luigi Ciotti, Pope Francis offered words of encouragement, reminding them that they are not alone in their struggles. 
He recalled that among Jesus' disciples there were also some women who, like men, were not perfect. They were women tested by life, sometimes infected by evil, and Jesus welcomed them with compassion and tenderness, said the Pope. Con lui hanno fatto el camino de la liberación. With him, they walked the path of liberation. Pope Francis therefore advised the group to always keep a small gospel with them and imagine being with the Lord Jesus among the disciples. In realtà è proprio così. Lui cammina con noi ogni giorno nella strada della vita. Indeed, the Pope said, this is exactly what happens. He walks with us every day on the road of life. His cross gives meaning to our crosses and his resurrection is a source of hope. And the Pope thanking the group of women for their visit and saying he accompanies them with his prayers for them and their loved ones, especially their children. In other news this morning, a man who was found dead inside a Colorado amusement park was potentially planning a massive attack. Garfield County Sheriff Lou Valario says a man broke into the amusement park in Glenwood Springs in Colorado hours after hours on Friday, dressed in full tactical gear and armed with multiple weapons as well as loaded magazines. We basically went through a very slow and methodical investigation, uh, not knowing what was real and what was fake. He says multiple improvised explosive devices were also found with the suspect and in a car believed to belonging to the man. His body was found Saturday morning in a restroom with the park closed Saturday and Sunday for the investigation. Blyer says a man took his own life instead of going through with that attack. And Lisa Taylor tells us that pharmacy employees at CVS and Walgreens stores around the country are beginning a walkout. Some staff are starting the three-day strike to demand better working conditions and to hire more people. Organizers are calling it Farmageddon, and it's a third strike by pharmacists in just over a month. In September, some CVS staff walked out in Kansas City, Missouri, and Walgreens workers went on strike earlier this month. A plan in Texas to spend $1.5 billion on a border wall not sitting well with some fiscal conservatives. I'm not sure that the best use of money is for a wall if our goal is to have a huge conversation with the federal government. That's State Senator Charles Perry, who was a Republican and says the real issue is that the federal government is ignoring the impact that illegal immigration is having on border communities. Instead of a wall, he wants the state to focus on catching and holding asylum seekers. That, he says, is a move that will get the White House's attention more quickly. In a San Diego federal court, a former Navy nurse, as Phil Farrar tells us, sentenced for her role in a multi-million dollar military health insurer scam. 47-year-old Keeleen Meyer pleading guilty to conspiring with her then-husband, former Chief Petty Officer Christopher Toops, to bilk the Traumatic Service Members Group Life Insurance Program. Out of $2 million, prosecutors said they made those false claims in exchange for unearned benefits. Meyer admitted falsifying medical records to inflate their service members' injury claims. In exchange, he personally received around $150,000. And it's unlikely you'll ever be forced to wear a COVID mask on an airplane again. The Senate passing an amendment to a spending bill that bans federal funds from being used to enforce face covering mandates on airlines, trains and buses. GOP Senator John Cornyn of Texas, who voted for the amendment, called it a victory for personal freedom. However, masks can still be worn, but it's up to the individual person. It's been nearly one and a half years since a federal judge ended the Biden administration mask mandate. Michael Kastner tells us the United Auto Workers Union, well, their strike, it's over. 
The union reached a tentative deal with GM that puts an end to negotiations after the strike began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford earlier last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The new agreements must be ratified by members at each of the three automakers. A new report showing that food insecurity on the rise. Experts say much of it has to do with the current economic situation. The reality is, is the inflation on food, rent, utilities drove more people to food banks. Eric Cooper runs the San Antonio Food Bank, saying that seniors are getting having things very hard. They're getting hit hard. Many are on a fixed income, which makes it difficult to keep up with inflation. The report from the Department of Agriculture shows that more than 44 million Americans are actually living in what they describe as food insecure households, and that's up more than 10 million from the previous year. And the Fed is meeting later this week and will consider yet another interest rate hike. Midwest economist Ernie Gross says he doesn't expect another rate increase, however. I don't expect the Fed to increase interest rates even despite the higher inflation than their target. But I expect a rate hike maybe as early as December. Food and gas prices are coming down a bit, which is helping overall inflation, but the most recent core inflation rate is 4.1%. The Fed is looking for 2%. The Fed has raised interest rates 11 times since last year. That's the fastest pace since the early 1980s. And the cast of Friends reacting to the death of a castmate, Matthew Perry, over the weekend. Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Lisa Kudrow, Matt LeBlanc, and David Schwimmer writing in a statement to People magazine. They are all utterly devastated by the news of the loss of Perry. He was found in his Los Angeles home on Saturday where he appears to have drowned. And officials are laying out tips to ensure children have a safe Halloween. New York County official Bruce Blakeman says a parent should always accompany their trick-or-treaters and go through the candy before allowing their children to eat those treats. So that they're not something that's a trick rather than a treat. And this could be something that's very, very uh, dangerous to your children's health. Blakeman wants parents to be aware of cannabis-laced candy so their children don't accidentally ingest a marijuana product. He also is warning drivers to go slowly and look out for children going door-to-door. Adding bright colors will make children more visible and make a positive difference. It's 14 minutes past the hour. It is a Tuesday, October 31st. So how did they do it? Did you ever ask yourself that question? With all the problems in the church over the centuries, how did those saints many of whom were involved with fighting problems within the church. How did they do it? Well, Alex Torres is a co-author of this beautiful book, Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crises in the Church. He joins us after the break, and then we'll check in with Lewis Brown for an update on all things life, especially from a health insurance perspective and some other things happening on the national scene. That is our lineup, as we say in the biz for today on this October 31st, 2023. Weather-wise, again, if you missed it at the top of the hour, let's repeat As colder air slides east and down south, we're going to have frost and freeze conditions. Even new record low temps are expected throughout the middle of the week. In addition, lake effect snow in the vicinity of the Great Lakes making for hazardous traveling conditions where several inches of snow are expected, along with dry and breezy conditions raising fire weather concerns. This is for Southern California and Gulf Coast areas. It is a Tuesday morning. Hope you're having a great day. We'll be right back. More Catholic Connection coming your way. Stay tuned. This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter. 
Finding health care for yourself and your family can be isolating and confusing. That's why the Catholic Health Alternative, CMF Curo, is offering Christ-centered health sharing for individuals and families, along with new wellness services to help heal and restore your whole person, spirit, mind, and body. Visit cmfcuro.com to find out more. That's cmfcuro.com, where you can experience Christ's healing love in your health and wellness. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. This program brought to you by the following nonprofit company. From Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere, November 10th. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Sometimes we scratch our heads or even do more than that, shake our heads, uh, look up to the heavens and say, okay, Lord, what in the world is going on? And we're not just talking about in the world, but in the church. We have a lot of questions. We have a lot of concerns because of our love of the church. But you know what? God always provides, especially when it comes to the saints. And over the years, over the centuries, if you look back when there have been major crises in the church, these particular people, I'm going to talk about this with our guest, have risen up and made a difference. So the book is entitled Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crisis in the Church. And our guest is Alec Torres. He co-authored this beautiful book from Sophia with Joshua Charles. Thanks so much for joining us, Alec. This is such a timely topic right now. Good morning. Good to have you on. Good morning. Thank you so much. You know, I, I really appreciate talking about it. And uh, honestly, every time I talk with, uh, with folks about it, they're there seems to be a good message of hope because people are looking for something to cling to in this time of confusion and, and perhaps even chaos in the church. Now, in the summary of the book, it, you, the co-author and yourself, you talk about that many Catholics, and this is so true, have either left the church or been scandalized by the errors or immorality that's rampant in the clergy. And then also there's a lot of confusion. For example, we saw some of the agendas that came into the Synod on Synodality, even though no church teaching is going to change from something like that because it's not a legislative body, there seems to be this push to still get people to think that there's change. And you wonder, why is this happening? Why are these people allowed to push these things at these these high-level meetings? And again, people can get very, very frustrated and concerned. But again, this is why your book is so important. So what did you find in terms of the saints over the centuries that have endured persecution in the Church? One of the things I found is that times of doctrinal confusion like this, even from the highest levels of the Church, uh, they've happened before. 
uh, and in, in a way that's comforting because it, it, we can feel like we live in uh, completely unique times. In many ways, I do think we, we actually are in unique times. Our problems are different from those that have existed before. But this is not the first time that senior leaders within the Church have uh, been been acting in such ways or or doing things that would lead people astray, would lead them to believe the wrong things about the Church. Uh, and each time throughout history that this has happened, uh, and that's what our study of the saints looked at. I mean, we've gone over 20 centuries within our book. We we looked at um, saints who are lay people, who are uh, religious, who are priests, who are bishops, all the way across uh, four continents. And every single time, God God courses a path through using saints and holy people in order to uh, to achieve um, the fullness of the truth in the end. And so can you give us, I don't want to give everything away because we want people to get the book, but can you give us a few highlights in terms of, there's so many saints, I'm sure, from which you could choose, but give us a, a few examples, if you wouldn't mind. Well, absolutely. Now, now we have examples that show seemingly contradictory things. Sometimes saints are silent, and sometimes saints speak out, uh, you know, just as an example. But but in terms of the crisis that you mentioned, you know, like with the Synod on Synodality and confusion with doctrine, uh, there's a couple saints that I think really do uh, stand out. Uh, there's St. Paul, uh, right off the bat, you know, shortly after Christ, he writes in Galatians about how he rebuked Peter to his face. And, you know, Peter's the Pope, superior to Paul in terms of the hierarchy. And yet Paul recognized that because uh, the truth of doctrine was uh, uh, was at risk, that because um, Peter's actions, if we go into a much greater detail, um, risk leading people to believe the wrong things about the Church, that it was his obligation to... Uh, to stand up to Peter and and to confront him with with the wrong that he was doing. Um, so right off the bat, in the Bible, we can see that that God allows for people lower in the hierarchy or even not in the hierarchy to to speak out against those above them in authority when it comes to the truth of the church. Uh, another great one, shortly at well, shortly in church history, but several hundred years after that, is Saint Athanasius. Uh, he was mm. fighting against the heresy that taught incorrect doctrine about the nature of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is. Uh, and at that time, the majority of the Church was actually incorrect on this, including bishops, cardinals, I mean, you name it. Uh, it, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And even though he was uh, just one bishop uh, from the scene Alexandria, he he railed against this on a global stage and, and steered people back towards the truth. There's a very, very long and deep history of doing this within the Church. And you even have, and I mentioned St. Padre Pio, more, I would say, modern-day saints, including St. Padre Pio and Archbishop Fulton Sheen, whose cause is, is still being uh, researched now. But let's take a look at St. Padre Pio. Yeah, Padre Pio, he shows a, a, a different side of, of what it means to respond to injustice within the Church. Uh, you know, we look at Paul and we look at St. Athanasius and we're like, okay, well, they spoke up, so obviously that any time we see a problem, we have to speak up about it. And in reality, that's that's not the true principle there. It depends on the context. Um, St. Padre Pio faced really terrible injustices done against him. He had his ministry restricted. He was uh, told he, where he couldn't celebrate Mass publicly. He couldn't hear confessions. He was banned from speaking with his one of his best friends and his spiritual director, all because of these misconceptions about about his miracles, his stigmata, uh, things like that. And he bore it uh, with great uh, equanimity and silence. Um, he, he refused to condemn those who were acting against him, uh, and, and he waited patiently for Providence to, to resolve this terrible situation that he was in, um, in large part because it was just directed against him. 
much like Christ, who suffered injustices and was killed at the hands of his own high priest and, uh, and Pontius Pilate, uh, that's who Padre Pio was imitating. That's how he was imitating Christ in that circumstance. Yeah, powerful. We're talking with the co-author of this beautiful book, Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured a Crisis in the Church. Alec Torres is with us. It's published by Sophia. We'll put the link on our archive section at Catholic Connection. Now, I understand the book also gives us a good idea of how we balance this out, because sometimes there's a time to speak, there's a time to be silent, because we do have a process in the church where you can speak up, especially, God forbid, if you see something as serious as as abuse of any kind, but there are times to be quiet as well. So how do we know that, though? How do we learn that? Do you help us come to that conclusion in the book? Yeah, the the conclusion actually does bring together all the stories of these saints to try and find the threads that unite them all. And uh, and this ends up being one of the core questions, because we want to know how to... I mean, that was the question that led me to write the book in the first place. I saw problems, and I said, well, I'm, as a Catholic, am I, do, do I just wait? Do I pray? Do I speak up? What am I allowed to do? What does mm-hmm. the Catholic thing to do? And, and one of the keys that we found was that uh, saints, the, the rule, really the rule was to obey, was to obey and even to be silent, uh, which is a very hard message to take, especially in the social media age. We want to just shoot from the hip uh, or, or attack. At least that can be our natural inclination um, because, you know, we have, we have concupiscence. We're, we're stained with sin, and, and we hate anything that would go against our preferences for how the church should be governed or for what should be said or anything like that. Now, the main mm-hmm. exception we found was when the souls of others were put at risk. When right. That's it. Well, let's pick up that point after the break. I'm sorry. I, I was so interested in the topic. I got to the question too late. My bad. We'll be right back. More with Alec Torres, and we'll let you pick up after the break. The book is Persecuted from Within from our friends at Sophia Press, How the Saints Endured Crisis in the Church. Crisis in the Church. We'll be right back. Heresy is not usually a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of arrogance. We're all ignorant. It's only about different things. And when I hear ignorant people say that they're stupid, my heart just breaks. I mean, to be ignorant is not to be stupid. Ignorance is fairly easy to remedy. It's a matter of learning. And St. Paul tells us to increase in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's confident that we can overcome our ignorance of Christ by getting to know him better. And so he prays for the Colossians. We constantly pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and to be fruitful in every good work, always increasing in the knowledge of God. Ignorance can be corrected. One has to die to arrogance. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. What will happen when Jesus Christ comes to judge the living and the dead? On the last day, the Catholic Catechism tells us everything will be laid bare, the deeds, thoughts, and works of all men and women. Then will culpable unbelief be condemned. Culpable unbelief discounts the offer of God's grace as nothing. Our attitude toward our neighbor will reveal our acceptance or rejection of God's grace and divine love. Our Lord will say, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Though Christ is given authority over all judgment, a right he acquired by way of the cross as Redeemer of the world, Jesus did not come to judge but to save and to give the life he has within himself. 
if we reject the grace we receive in this life, we already judge ourselves according to our works. We can even condemn ourselves for all eternity by rejecting the spirit of love. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Great book for our times, and our times in general, but also for this week, celebrating All Saints Day. The book is Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crisis in the Church, and we're talking with the co-author Alec Torres. He wrote the book with Joshua Charles, and it's published by our friends at Sophia Institute Press. As we mentioned, we will put the link on our archive section at Catholic Connection, so you can follow up. It's also available, of course, at the EWTN Religious Catalog. So, Alec, my apologies. I was so into the topic, I forgot what time it was. Not a good thing for a live talk show host, but it's so interesting to me. So go ahead and answer that question, because we were talking about just this importance of knowing when to speak up. You know, like Kenny Rogers used to say, you're probably too young to remember that song, but no one to hold them, no one to fold them. I mean, that, that's true in, in, in the church, too, in our lives as Catholics. Oh, it's 100% true, and that's a great song. Uh, listen to it on the radio sometimes. But, uh, yeah, it's... So, so really, you know, that, that first point in the beginning has to be emphasized again, that, that the, the baseline is, is silence and obedience, because pride can seep in so quickly. Now, the, the times in which the saints became lions of the faith, when they spoke out with great clarity and conviction, was when the truth of the faith was being threatened, when, when doctrines were being contradicted, and, in, and in, as a result of that, when, people, when other people risked being led astray, to believe something incorrect about the Church, to be led away from the Church in and of itself. So that's what we saw with St. Athanasius against the Arians, uh, the, the heresy of the Arians um, in the 300s. We saw it with St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher when uh, Henry VIII was creating the Church of England and, and risked, and it eventually succeeded in leading pretty much his entire nation away from the Church, where either there's circumstances throughout history in which the actual faith is threatened, and then the saints have to speak out in public for the sake of other souls. And that's an important lesson for all of us, and, and we have to take a look at Sometimes they say, oh, it's not my place to say anything, the Church will figure it out, or somebody, somebody else will do it. But we really have to pray when we come up against situations like that, don't we? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, we have to pray, absolutely, and we have to be prepared to talk about it, because yes, you know, God does raise up wonderful saints, and I believe He's going to raise up incredible saints in our times. But these saints didn't act alone, either. Uh, I, I mean, there, there were, you know, we can imagine thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of faithful Catholics around them spread throughout the world during their times. So even if the Church, you know, quote-unquote, figures it out, or a great saint rises up, how is that message ever going to get to your family members, to your friends, to your parish, when they're confused, when they don't know what's going on? You're the one who's closest to them, and it's our obligation to have answers to these questions and to, and to cut the way through these concerns to be able to, to keep people in the faith or bring them to the faith when they would otherwise leave. And you also talk in the book, Alec, about how Christ predicted and prefigured the sufferings of his Church. Explain that a little bit, if you could. This is, uh, you know, in one of those paradoxically Christian ways, one of the most hopeful parts of the book is that we, we have a, a, a Savior who can empathize with us. Um, we should be scandalized by errors and, and problems and persecutions within the Church, but it shouldn't cause us to lose faith, because Christ himself did. I, I, I mean, Christ... 
you know, he had more reason to be scandalized. He was the one who he created, you know, God created all of us, and he puts everyone in positions of authority that are allowed to have it. So he chose Caiaphas to be the high priest. He allowed Pontius Pilate to be the governor in Judea at the time. The very people who put him to death, he chose Judas, who would betray him. You know, he, he essentially set the table uh, that, uh, that was turned against him. So he did all of that for the sake of salvation, for the sake of suffering and dying for us. And he may well allow the same for us within the Church in general, and in our lives in particular, to allow us to be a part of his redemptive suffering and sacrifice so that we can also participate in and spread his glory, just as he did on the cross. I mean, Christ's crucifixion and resurrection is relived again and again and again through history and in our lives. Beautifully said. We're talking with Alec Torres. The book is Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crisis in the Church. Okay, I have to ask, because she's my favorite saint, and we celebrated her feast day earlier this month. I was named after her. St. Teresa of Avila is in your book as well. Mm-hmm. It's a, she's, the, uh, she's one of those saints that just shows that, um, one, the Church is always in need of reform. Orders, the Church itself, throughout history, always in need of reform. And two, almost every time somebody tries to reform the Church, they're going to be fought against. Right. And Teresa endured just absolutely uh, bitter opposition for her attempts to reform the Carmelites uh, back to their original vigor. Um, I mean, her life is just a series of battles with bishops and with her fellow sisters and and with, uh, you know, representatives from the Vatican and with uh, lay authorities in the, civil, in the civil sphere, time and again. And every time it seems like she would win some peace in it, uh, it would come back at her. Uh, but, but she was. She succeeded in reforming the Carmelites to be a very rigorous order uh, devoted to poverty, devoted to spirituality and silence that we can still see manifested today. So her sacrifice is there for, for a beautiful holiness within the Carmelite order is bearing much fruit centuries later. You mentioned the point earlier that they did not act alone. If you think of her relationship with her friendship and the spiritual direction she received from St. John of the Cross, right? Those two worked together, and he also was persecuted. He, he, in many ways, he was persecuted even more viciously than St. Teresa. There was a time, I mean, the divide was between the the, those within the Carmelites who wanted it to be more lax and those who wanted it to be more rigorous. And there was a time in which the, those who wanted it to be more lax actually captured St. John of the Cross. I mean, and you think our times are weird now. They captured him, imprisoned him in a closet, deprived him of being able to say Mass, wouldn't give him a change of clothes, fed him on a prisoner's diet, and would force him to, uh, you know, kneel during certain times of the week while they actually physically whipped him. Uh, so, so if you think we have it bad or you have it bad personally, you know, read the life of St. John of the Cross. Yet he, true to Jesus, uh, Jesus' style, just he submitted to it and actually loved it and embraced his persecutors because he knew it was a means of salvation. And many of the people who hated him, actually he ended up converting to be true faithful Catholics in the end. So do you have a favorite among the saints in the book, or your favorite saint in general? I, it's, it is such a difficult question, and, and I get asked it all the time from researching it, and, and so much of it depends upon the problem I'm looking to. And mm. That's one of the benefits we have. We have saints where any time we're, we're faced with an issue within the Church or within our lives, we have somebody who, is, who has lived it before in some way. Um, but, you know, the one I think who has stood out to me and really assisted me and, and who's been accompanying me in my prayer, uh, in my times of retreat, has been Padre Pio. 
Oh, um, because, him. you know, in, in my own life, I, you know, you have to watch out for things like, like pride and thinking that you have it right. And Padre Pio, his life of humble submission and silence uh, counteracts so many of the sins we see today of, of people thinking that their opinion and their voice has to be heard above all others. Well, especially, I don't know if you ever saw the movie that was that aired on EW Chan. It's, it's in Italian with English subtitles, but it's really great. And at the end of the film, when he's cleared of everything and he's starting to practice again and celebrate Mass, the leaders of, the, of, the, of his order, the Capuchins, come down to uh, San Giovanni Rotondo, and they're coming after him again. And he's like, I don't care what you do to me. I'm paraphrasing. I'm just going to pray. Don't leave me alone. I'm just going to do you know, whatever. You could do whatever you want to me. And they, they said, oh, no, we just want to get at the money you've been raising for the hospital because they had invested badly. And even after everything, he still went through more persecution. That's why these saints are so, so good for us in terms of examples of how to deal with crises in our lives and in the church. Alec, great conversation. God bless your work. The book is Persecuted from Within, How the Saints Endured Crises in the Church. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. We'll be right back on a Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection. It's October 31st. Father Benedict Groeschel. I don't think people should have negative fears of God. I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence. And in proportion, as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Dr. Ray Garendi. If I discipline consistently, I'd be disciplining constantly. If I were consistent in my discipline, that would mean I would discipline more, and I'd be disciplining him often. The exact opposite is the case. More consistent discipline leads to less constant discipline. Why? Because you're predictable. The child knows if he does A, you'll do B. That is why. When you are predictable in your authority, you will actually have to use that authority less. Consistent discipline leads to less constant discipline. The more you act when you need to act, the less you will have to act in the future with similar misbehavior. brilliant pro-life leader we're about to speak with my friend lewis brown carries uh, many titles on his business card and he fits it all on one vp of public policy for the catholic Healthcare leadership alliance director of the newly formed public policy institute also executive director of the christ medicus foundation today we're going to be talking about the leadership alliance launching public policy and advocacy institute amid assaults on life and conscious rights in medicine so lewis this is newly developed, uh, correct? Thanks for joining us this morning. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be with you always. Um, yes, so we, several organizations, including the Christ Medicus Foundation, came together um, in 2022 to launch the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, a new uh, Catholic organization bringing united Christ-centered Catholic healthcare together uh, under one banner to uh, project public policy that protects the dignity of the human person to advance faithful Christ-centered uh, health care, uh, and also to defend our religious liberty and medical conscience rights, and to have a place where um, Catholic hospitals, uh, medical practices, specialty practices, Catholic clinics, uh, and think tanks, lawyers, bioethicists can come together as one, as the body of Christ, under the banner of the Catholic Health Care Leadership Alliance, uh, to engage on these contentious issues in the care and the policy and delivery of medical care. So um, we launched that about uh, almost two years ago. It's been a massive success. We've had uh, numerous numerous uh, bishops have uh, joined our Episcopal Advisory Board. We have various organizations that have joined uh, the alliance. It's growing. Uh, and now we're launching this Institute for Public Policy uh, and Advocacy, uh, really to focus a lot of the work we've already been doing at the alliance um, on public policy, on advocacy, we'll continue to educate federal and state policymakers. Uh, we'll continue filing amicus briefs in federal court cases, particularly in the cases that concern uh, human dignity, and we'll be drafting legislation uh, at the federal state level to infuse um, state and federal health care policy uh, with principles that reflect Catholic social teaching about the dignity of the human person. Mm. That's really important right now. Where do you see the biggest areas being affected? I'm looking at, for example, just did an interview yesterday on Issue 1 in Ohio. We had the horrific Proposal 3 that unfortunately passed in Michigan last year. Other states are pushing for more and more extreme measures with abortion. What are you seeing in terms of the issues on which you're focusing? Is it mainly abortion or are there other issues, for example, the whole trans ideology? What are you looking at in terms of the biggest sure. issues for you? I think... You know, the, the perhaps the three or four biggest issues. I think maybe there's probably you know four issues that, that come to mind immediately. Of course, it's always going to be first and foremost uh, the issue of abortion, um, which is uh, the greatest evil of our time. Uh, you know, we know that there's been you know well over uh, 60 million uh, children that have lost their lives that have been uh, killed intentionally killed from abortion in the United States. It's been well north of uh, 15 million African-American children of that number, so it's a disproportionate, disproportionately affecting um, you know, uh, African-American children. Uh, it's, a, it's a policy that, that speaks of a certain um, awful history in our country that continues. And so uh, fighting for life, fighting for the unborn, uh, fighting for the protection of the dignity of the unborn and their pregnant mothers uh, is numero uno always when it comes to thinking about health care policy. Uh, that would be the first thing. The second thing, um, to your point, is that there's a growing animosity, and others have talked about this, there's a growing animosity, I heard a wonderful speaker, Alexander Havard, uh, say this, there's a growing animosity uh, towards the human body, and it's being manifested in our a healthcare system where, um, tragically, sadly, people think that uh, that that 
to have a certain disdain for the human body as opposed to looking at the human body as a gift. And so mm-hmm. uh, the, the immoral, unethical uh, gender ideology is having a tragic impact on uh, thousands of young lives, thousands of families. Uh, it is it's bad medicine. Uh, and that is something else that's also of concern because it's not it's not just transgender procedures, but there's other implications for human anthropology. It's very bad for healthcare. Uh, there's a reason why uh, the very liberal uh, European West is moving away. Much of those many of those countries are moving away from uh, transgender procedures, particularly for children, because the science just isn't there. It's, it's unethical care. That's a huge problem. So that. That would be the second area. The third area would be the ongoing onslaught of the culture of death, not just for the unborn, but also patients that are deemed to be unfit, unplanned, unnecessary, and convenient uh, because they have, in the eyes of some, low quality of life. And so we're seeing patients uh, that are vulnerable, patients that have disabilities, patients that are aged elderly, being discriminated against in the care that they're receiving, uh, sometimes we're seeing cases of passive euthanasia. It's much worse in Canada. I'm very concerned it's going to come here. Mm-hmm. So the culture of death impacts not only the unborn, but it impacts the entirety of society, uh, particularly patients that are vulnerable. We'll be coming against that. And then lastly, the issue of medical conscience and religious freedom, uh, which is vital to protecting human dignity. Uh, when we think about religious freedom in its highest form, it's the freedom to love. And so we'll be defending religious freedom and also promoting it as much as we can in healthcare policy. Talking with Lewis Brown with the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, are launching Public Policy and Advocacy Institute amid, as he mentioned, the ongoing assaults on life and conscience rights in medicine, as he just outlined for us. Lewis, uh, with your area of your background, your expertise, you've worked a lot in politics, and so you've been on the front lines in many of these issues and debates. I was wondering your response to the treatment and the reaction of the election of Mike Johnson as a new House Speaker. I have never... Well, I, I, of course I have, but in this case, it's just awful what they're doing to him. It reminds me of what they did to Amy Coney Barrett more than once. But you, the, the comments that are coming out about him in terms of being a huge extremist and, oh, he's in a covenant marriage, he's pro-life. He, I mean, they're just labeling him and really trying to paint him in a corner. And I think the ultimate goal is to try to make him be less effective. Just what are your thoughts on the election of the House Speaker? Yeah, I was uh, elated when I found out that Mike Johnson, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana, was elected as House Speaker. I think this, that this is a man that, um, from what I've seen, uh, that governs his duty as a member of Congress uh, and as a national leader with virtue. Uh, he has a sense of joy about him and seems to be ever-present. He operates from a place of real collegiality, regardless of party, and a lot of the news articles actually do reflect that, um, that he's winsome, that he operates out of virtue, that he's able to have collegial friendships across the aisle, that he's able to operate out of a certain level of civility. I think that's really important. I also think that he is, from a place of Christian discipleship, um, you know, a good example uh, for our, our young people of a person who's infused uh, with a certain level of Christian joy and serenity, from what I have seen. Uh, I'm very excited about his commitment to life, uh, his commitment to religious freedom. Uh, his background shows that. Uh, he is not afraid to speak the truth uh, when it is convenient, in season and out of season. And so I think 
uh, Congressman Johnson is perhaps one of the most uh, special speakers that we've had in a long time. I think he's going to be a man that's absolutely committed to the dignity of the human person uh, and the common good of the country, uh, perhaps uh, more than any other speaker in our lifetime. So uh, the proof's in the pudding, but I have extraordinarily high hopes uh, for Congressman Johnson uh, as, and I should say Speaker Johnson, as someone that will work across the aisle, as someone that will treat all members of Congress, regardless of viewpoint, with dignity and respect, as someone that will protect the dignity of the human person and really, really, truly advance the common good of all uh, in the United States. Very excited about the election of Speaker Johnson. It's just so frustrating to me, though, the way they're treating him as if he's some sort of a, a you know, of, of an extremist and, and is going to just force his opinions and his views on everyone and the nation is going to suffer. And, and it, it's really, it's just so sad to me. If you look at, even if you look at his comments, what has he said? I mean, he's a Bible-believing Christian. Yes, he's a brother in the Lord. But he was very, I think he really started out his his comments after he was elected with really reaching over the aisle with an olive branch. Yeah, and I, I think, I, you know, I've been in a meeting with him at least one time over the last few years. Um, I've never met him, but um, I think he really sees his obligation to treat every single person with respect, um, to represent the views to represent at least the, the good of the entire country uh, and to promote that common good in his office. Uh, and another way of saying it is he doesn't appear to me to be tribal, uh, which is a, a challenge on both sides of the aisle, unfortunately, both parties. Um, he really, see, I think, seeks the good of the country. Uh, we need more people like that. Also, it is horrible and must be rejected when we have uh, you know, mainstream newspapers that are demonizing uh, principles that have been a part of, you know, frankly, Catholic social teaching uh, for hundreds of years. Uh, these are things of, of which uh, most of Congress believed even just 25 years ago, including some of those on the Democratic mm -hmm. side of the aisle, uh, and, and clearly those on the Republican side of the aisle. These things aren't new, um, but unfortunately, uh, moral relativism, uh, the culture of death has just advanced so quickly uh, that they're demonizing uh, viewpoints that uh, have been part of the Judeo-Christian heritage of the United States for quite a long time, uh, and that's unfortunate. It needs to be called out and rejected. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lewis, in wrapping up, what would you like people to, to do right now to find out more information about the Leadership Alliance and also the Policy and Advocacy Institute? I, yeah, I would encourage anyone that's interested in bioethics, anyone that's interested in healthcare, if there are families, if there are uh, uh, doctors, lawyers, uh, if there are parishioners thinking about opening up a medical clinic, if there's folks that are in positions of leadership at a local secular hospital or a Catholic hospital, we encourage you to go to catholichealthalliance.org. It's catholichealthalliance.org. Some of the best minds in the country uh, on healthcare policy. Uh, catholichealthalliance.org. Go there, register, and have a live stream. If you're in the D.C. area, in Virginia or Pennsylvania, Maryland, West Virginia. Uh, if you're in D.C., come. Please come. If you're a few hours away, come. If you're further away, if you want to fly out, come. But also we'll have a live stream for folks. I know some of the, uh, at least one sister, uh, one of the American religious sisters, who does great uh, healthcare work in Germany, plans to join from Germany. She, she's in the United States, but she'll be in Germany. We want as many folks to join in person or on the live stream. Please register. Uh, we want you to participate. 
And this is November 9th? November 9th, Thursday, November 9th. Go to catholichealthalliance.org. And so this would be for someone, and not just, in, for example, I mean, obviously for people who are in the medical field or interested in this type of advocacy work, but for anyone interested in this issue, correct, before we let you go? Yeah, that, that's right, yes, because Catholic, Jesus Christ is truth itself, and um, Catholic social teaching um, has the fullness of freedom and liberation and healing for all people. It's truly universal. And so what the Institute's going to be doing, more than anything else, is approaching these hard questions about unity, about healthcare that impact all of us, is taking it, is, is reaching it with a Catholic approach, uh, not from a, a conservative or a liberal approach, but a truly Catholic approach that says, we have an obligation and duty to love and sacrificially care for uh, the, those that are sick and suffering, which at some level is all of us. How do we do that? That's so vital. It's terrific. Lewis, thanks for all you do, and God bless you and your family and this new alliance because it's so important. Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, they do have an event coming up on November 9th at the Catholic University of America Columbus School of Law, a full-day event focusing on healthcare policy through the lens of Catholic teaching. And again, the details can be found at catholichealthalliance.org catholichealthalliance.org. Now, you don't have to be in the medical profession. As Lewis said, you just have to be interested in making a difference and speaking up, especially for those who cannot speak for themselves. We'll wrap up a Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection when we come back. Stay tuned. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Is social media leading to more young women getting cosmetic surgery? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our daughter and family just welcomed a new baby girl into the world. The boys in our family are now outnumbered for sure. I've witnessed how some of our girls often struggle with self-image and body issues. These issues are now being enhanced by social media. First Peter teaches us that it is not outward beauty that is important, but it should be that of our inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Studies indicate that young women are going under the knife for more cosmetic procedures in direct response to social media. Encourage the women in your life to practice self-compassion. Build them up. Help them find ways to be content in their own skin. True self-esteem is having confidence that I am who God says I am. For more on this, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. 
Appreciate your listenership. Catholic Connection coast to coast and around the globe through the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Tomorrow we have a best of, as we say in the biz, because it is a holy day of obligation, wishing you a beautiful and peaceful day. And then we'll be back on Thursday. We're going to, of course, talk to Joan Lewis on Thursday instead of tomorrow. Normally she joins us on a Wednesday because of the general audience of the Holy Father and all things Catholic. She joins us from Rome. But because, again, tomorrow is a holy day and we're off for the day and so is she because the Holy Day of Obligation, this particular feast day, is a big, big deal in Italy. It's not just a holy day. It's a holiday and everything shuts down. So it's a little bit different in Italy. So Joan will have the day off tomorrow and we'll be with Joan on Thursday along with the one, the only, Father Mitch Pacqua, Cultural Connections. Uh, So much to discuss. We'll probably talk about the Synod, his thoughts as we end up the first part. See what he has to say or see what else is happening in the world. A lot of news going on. Have a great day. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.